Welcome everyone to Balance Your Life Podcast. My name is Megan Farrell and I'm the host of this podcast and the creator of Balance by Megan. On this podcast, we talk about all things yoga, wellness, health, and spirituality with guests from around the world. So grab your crystals, grab your essential oils, and let's dive into it. Hello, hello, happy Monday, friends. Happy Monday. Happy start of a new week. How is everyone doing today? If you are new to the show, my name is Megan Farrell. I am the host of this podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for pressing play once again and for choosing Balance Your Life podcast. It means the absolute world to me. Today on the podcast, this has been a hot topic that has come up again and again throughout past guests on the show and in personal conversations online and in person. And today we are very much focused on mental health and weight loss. So today I am joined by Brant Pasalaquea. And Brandt is the creator of Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy. He has been enjoying yoga in the healing arts since 2001 after overcoming obesity and a life-threatening autoimmune illness. His personal journey serves as an inspiration to countless others and informs his compassionate, humorous, and down-to-earth teaching style. Brandt has maintained a private practice since 2002 integrating yoga therapy in the traditional Krishnamachara and structural yoga therapy, medical massage, and a variety of meditation lineages, and plain old common sense to help people realize their goals. He works with individuals suffering from a wide variety of diseases, including obesity, eating disorders, acute and chronic physical complaints, trauma, chronic and mental conditions, He also serves as a meditation teacher with an emphasis on finding the most efficient practice for an individual's evolution. We cover a lot of ground in today's podcast episode, including his journey starting yoga with Yoga Nidra and living with a life-threatening autoimmune disease. We also talk about how to use yoga to lose weight, personalized practices to help people reach their goals, tangible exercises you can implement into your life today, and so much more. You guys are going to love Brant's sense of humor. You're going to love his knowledge. You're going to love his journey and everything he talks about in today's episode. And since this is a very wellness-focused podcast episode, this episode is brought to you by Nature's Remedy CBD. CBD has been a game-changer in my wellness routine. I take mine at night to help with sleep, but there are a variety of other benefits including helping with anxiety, pain relief, inflammation, overall health, and so much more. This CBD is third-party lab-tested, vegan, organic, cruelty-free, non-GMO, solvent-free, and made in small batches. Right now, you can email me today to personally find a fit that works for you. The email link will be in the show notes. 
Energy Bits are tiny nutrition tablets made purely of algae, a sustainable whole food crop that supports your body and immune system. Some of the benefits include better physical performance, reducing heavy metals and toxins, improving memory, supporting the immune system, recovering from physical exercise, and so much more. I add a handful of these tablets into my smoothies every day. It's easy to do, requires little effort on my end, and makes a huge difference in my well-being. Right now, Energy Bits is giving all Balance Your Life podcast listeners 20% off when you use code MEGAN at checkout on any of their products online. You can use the link in the show notes or use code MEGAN, M-E-G-H-A-N, at checkout to receive 20 percent off of your order. Without further ado, please welcome Brant Pasalaquea to the Balance Your Life podcast. Welcome to the show, Brant. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Can you give our listeners a little background of who you are and where in the world you are currently joining us from today? Well, I'm Brant Pasalaqua. Uh, I'm many things, but one of the things I do is run a, a yoga therapy school called Breathing Deeply, and uh, I'm in Northampton, Massachusetts, where I live with my family, which is in Western Massachusetts. Amazing. Awesome. I would love to know if we can back right up to the start of your journey with yoga. How did you even get involved specifically with yoga as I'm assuming yoga therapist came down the road? Um, it's a little combined. Uh, I didn't know the difference at the time, but, um, like many people, I got to yoga from suffering, um, and wanting to solve that. So I was, uh, about 30 and I woke up one day, uh, it's kind of an interesting story cause it was, it was, um, September 10th, 2001. So it was like right before nine 11. So I literally got out of the hospital the day before and I had been in the hospital and I was living in New York. Um, but I had been in the hospital for uh, a long time in intensive care because I got an autoimmune disease out of nowhere. Uh, I wasn't the healthiest guy. I was a musician. I smoked four packs a day. I drank all the time, all the things, irregular sleep schedule, everything you could think of. I was obese. Um, so it, it, now it's not surprising I got sick. But at the time, I was shocked. And uh, I woke up one day and I went to intensive care and uh, I was supposed to die. I died on the table. They were giving me blood transfusions to stay alive. It was not good. But I didn't die, so that was great. And uh, I did get out of the hospital, but when I got out, the prognosis wasn't great. They said, oh, they'll probably come back. You'll probably lose some organs or maybe go blind. Um, so that was pretty scary, as you might imagine. So I was looking for other solutions because Western medicine didn't have a lot for me. And so I learned this practice called Yoga Nidra, which is... Um, basically meditation if you don't know what it is, but it's lying down. Um, and this particular one was like moving through the koshas if you're a yoga person, but sort of moving through the aspects of yourself. And I couldn't walk. So um, I basically lied around and did that all day. And it worked. So that was amazing. I didn't die. My immune, you know, my autoimmune disease didn't come back, which was shocking to my hematologist. And, uh, but I still had to rehab, you know, I wasn't doing great. And, um, so then I found a yoga studio. I literally could walk to it. I was in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and I walked to this yoga studio and I met this great yoga teacher and I took a class and, uh, I got totally hooked. I actually took a class every Monday and I would practice all week. And after a few weeks she was like, oh, wow, you're really improving. 
Uh, and I said, yeah, I practice every day because I've been a musician, so I knew how to do that. And she goes, you do? You practice? It? I was like, yeah, aren't I supposed to practice? Like you teach me, I practice. She goes, no, nobody does that. But that's great. So anyway, I got into the, I got into yoga and it just completely healed my disease. But the other part was that, you know, my life got better. I started losing weight. Um, I had an anxiety disorder, didn't know that, but I did. And that went away. You know, I just kept improving and I was a much happier person. Uh, so I was hooked. So that's the long version, I'm sorry, of the of the no, beginning. Perfect. But then anyway, so then I went to a yoga teacher training at an ashram in New York. Uh, and that was great. And I taught and I was interested in working with people like me, people who had suffered, with people, obese people, people with autoimmune diseases. These are my interests. So I taught yoga, just regular yoga classes. And um, then I met a man named Akunda Stiles, who was one of two people in the U.S. teaching yoga therapy maybe three people, but um, sort of as a school. And so I took his training and I became a yoga therapist and started working. Um, my primary practice was obesity because I felt like it was just really underserved. And that, of course, led me right into eating disorders. So I was working with people on both ends of the spectrum, and I still do. And I developed programs around that, and I worked with people with autoimmune diseases, and I sort of kept working. Of course, they're people, so they have bad backs and knee problems and anxiety and depression and all the things humans have. So, Amazing. yeah, so I got into that and I became a yoga therapist and eventually founded our school. So there's a couple of things I want to ask you about. And if you're open to it, I just for, you know, the audience sake, we've had a lot of people come on the show who have had autoimmune diseases. And I know yeah. that's a broad term. Are you comfortable sharing what like what specifically specifically you had? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I had something called autoimmune hemolytic anemia which is a, um, you have antibodies to your own red blood cells, so you're not getting oxygen. So that's a bummer. And it's it's not that uncommon because people who go through chemo and stuff sometimes get it. Um, so it's known, but it is very uncommon for like a 30-year-old, you know, out of nowhere for no reason to get it. But, you know, as we know now, like autoimmunity is like, um, you know, all the autoimmune diseases are different, but there's a theme, which is the dysfunction of your immune system. So like the protocols and like ideas we use to help people are similar between autoimmune diseases, not the same, but similar. It's a little, I don't know if we've just like more in the forefront of hearing about it, or maybe just like with my age, I'm starting to become a little bit more tuned into what's going on. But I feel like there's a theme of, like I said, there has been quite a few people on the show who've talked about having autoimmune disorders, diseases. And, you know, like you said before, you were a musician. So you were doing all the things probably quote unquote, that you shouldn't be doing in order to, you know, the counter of living a healthier lifestyle. But I think it's just this, like, there's so much stress in the world. And there's so much pressure to almost like, I almost feel like even being healthy on some level has a lot of like, pressure to it like well I should be doing this and I should be doing this and like it's okay to drink a cup of coffee no it's actually not okay to drink a cup of coffee like you can literally find a study <laughs> to yeah. counter every healthy yes. thing that you think you should be doing yes so so yoga therapy is different than western medicine in terms of the assessment so you know people have autoimmune diseases all the time and the way we look at it which is the way like Ayurveda looks at it is it's based on imbalances in the systems. And so different people will have different 
imbalances with the same condition. So that's one thing to know. But I will say people who develop autoimmune diseases have cert often are similar, not always, but often. And, um, it's that's it's kind of a big part of, of our work at our school is sort of this thing where we we're kind of identifying it. But as, just as a person who's worked with hundreds of people with autoimmune diseases, um, I will say that not all, but many of them are what you would call, let's say, type A, which has different names in Ayurveda. But they're sort of like freaking out and trying to do all the things. <laughs> and, you know, one of our jobs as yoga therapists is teaching them. And my my personal story inspired me to look into this because like basically I laid around all day and got better right and I wasn't watching tv but um, I was doing practices of like really constructive rest which uh, allowed the immune uh, my immune system to reset and so that got me sort of off on that path which I've been working on for 20 years of like refining that for for individuals so there's a lot people can do but it's usually not you know doing more and more and more and more it's 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 more about being targeted in what you do for your condition. I would love to know why, I mean, for you being in the space, looking back, I'm sure you can understand the benefits of yoga nidra, but why did you start with that? Was somebody, did somebody tell you about it? Was it yeah. a doctor? <laughs> no, I never said, heard of it. Yeah. I, I had never done yoga. I didn't know anything. My, my wife at the time had taken some yoga classes, like, you know, just like everybody did in New York. And like, then she stopped, whatever. Like I knew no one who did yoga really, you know, like it wasn't like part of my world. It wasn't, you know, I'm 50. So this is, you know, this is a while ago and there was a lot of yoga, but it's not like it is now where, you know, Oprah's look at that's how old I am. Oprah, whatever, whoever's doing, um, doing yoga all the time. Every doctor's like, you should do yoga, I guess, you know, but it wasn't like that. So um, I knew nothing about it. And um, this yoga teacher taught me this practice. And it was just, you know, like recorded. It wasn't like this crazy deep teaching she gave me. But I got really into it. I felt the effects of it right away. And, and the main thing is that I could perceive my own energy. Like I could perceive my own energetic system and actually had some like uh, agency or like control over it. And that was super inspiring. And it taught me over time, like how to regulate my own energy. So, cause the way I was feeling is like, I'm completely fatigued. I don't have any energy. I'm not going to heal this way. And so it taught me how to like work with that. And at the time, I mean, for me personally, like if I sat up, I would pass out. So, you know, it was, I didn't have any energy at all. And it allowed me to kind of work with that and like slowly, slowly, slowly rebuild. But most people don't do that, right? They start eating blueberries and sprinting like they're, you know, you, if you have eczema, which is an autoimmune disease, you probably wouldn't do that. But it turns out that kind of approach can can actually work for that, too, depending on who you are. But it's not obvious, I think. I know I love it so much. And it's just what you were saying, like you were you were resting in order to repair your your immune system. And I think for some people, I people that concept seems like, well, no, that like, how am I supposed to get better if I'm just sitting there or sleeping there or resting. And I mean, we all know the importance of sleep. We all know the importance of resting. I mean, your body will literally shut itself down or get itself sick if you're doing too much, but it's, I don't know if it's just maybe even in the Western world where we, that, that concept of rest just doesn't seem to equate to getting better or feeling better. And I mean, 
at some point, I feel like we've all proven this to ourselves when if you've ever gotten really sick and you've been forced to kind of lay back and rest and recoup and you end up feeling a thousand times better. I, I think I think, um, you know, we're a little confused, you know, like as all things like the the science and this is true with everything is actually ahead of what people think. So what the science tells us, which is really, I think, worth talking about, is that they, they, there was a study. They took a bunch of meditators, right, like high-level meditators, and they, like, scan their brains or whatever they do. I have no idea. But anyway, they, they, they monitor them for brainwave states. And what we do know is that in deep sleep, which occurs at the end of your sleep cycle, so it's not most of the time you're sleeping, you generate certain brainwave states which tell your whole body to heal. And that's why you get super sick if you like cut off your sleep early or your alarm goes off too early every day for five years, you know, your body starts to fall apart. And what they found out in this study is that people who meditate regularly have those brainwave states while they're awake. So just that one thing is like super fascinating, right? So it's like, oh, wow, if I meditate or do, who knows? I mean, maybe doing like really contemplative physical yoga would do it. Like we don't know, but but doing contemplative practices enhances your ability to heal. And that is not something that the average person in our culture thinks about at all. Even yoga people, right? Yoga people are like, I'm going to go to yoga class. I'm going to do my chaturangas. I'm going to look awesome. I'm going to feel awesome. And it's all good. And you need exercise, whatever. But, but the point is, is that there's this other part of health, right? It's not just one thing. And like you said, most people just like don't know this right it they wouldn't think to do constructive or uh, like intentional rest mm -hmm. it's not in their paradigm i would love to switch gears a little bit and talk about you had said that you were at one point in your life obese and that yoga had helped you to lose weight and with the community that listens to this podcast you know that isn't that is an issue for some people there are other people who are you know they got pregnant, they're having a hard time losing the weight, they feel, you know, some of them have put on 50 pounds during this pregnancy. And I have worked with people who want to lose weight. And it there's this concept of making it more than just losing weight, like it becomes more than just losing weight, which is what you had said, you you did start to physically notice changes in your body. But there was this reciprocal effect, I would love to know, what kind of signs you noticed first? Was it that physical, like, oh my goodness, I'm starting to lose some weight. Like it's five pounds here, it's 10 pounds here. Or even this concept of like, maybe I'm a little bit more flexible or limber than I was before. Like what, what were those signs that you started to notice? You know, we can even say a week into yoga and then months and years down the road. So I think the, the, the near-term signs were I could actually feel my body. And for me, I mean, I was like an obese person with like what, if you wanted to diagnose it, you'd say like binge eating disorder, I guess. So being able to feel my body, you know, and that was part of being more flexible, like moving around, like just being on a mat, like, you know, noticing my shoulders <laughs> that I probably hadn't felt in 10 years changed my relationship to it and therefore like kind of changed my relationship to like what I wanted to do to it, you know? Um, so there was this kind of natural thing there. Um, as I kept doing yoga, you know, my anxiety decreased, decreased. So, you know, 
the anxiety and and you say anxiety you know and it's always there's the the big anxiety but there's kind of like the regular anxieties we have like when we're kind of overwhelmed with something and it's night and we're tired and these are the moments we eat a lot for a variety of reasons but that kind of slowed down so it gave me a little more space you know to make different decisions and then in the really long term and when I work with people I notice this all the time what happens is is yoga can help you put yourself into a mental space where you can actualize on your um on your goals or decisions. So losing weight, I mean, it's a game of eating less, no matter how you look at it, right? Could be different foods, could be, but it's it's less calories in at some point. Um, and that is really difficult to do. And so having the ability to make that choice and like in a reasonable way uh, is something that, that yoga brought me. And I've seen it bring in a lot of other people. So if someone is coming to you and they said like, Brant, I want to work with you one-on-one, I'm trying to lose 50 pounds here. What's the first few steps that you do with them? Are you getting them to do quote unquote, like a yoga asana practice five times a week? Are you working more on their mental state? Like what is that first few sessions look like with you? Right. So, and people are different, so I do vary it, but generally the first step is, is asana is movement. So we do yoga, it's usually short, and it's usually breath-based because the breath-based part changes the mental states and the physical part gives people kind of an introceptive experience where they can feel their own body. And those things are essential, right, to any kind of habit change. It doesn't matter what it is. And the reason we have this program called Peaceful Weight Loss, which, oh, it just got rebranded. <laughs> I didn't even know, being at peace with food. And, but we had this program for years and it was very, very, very successful with helping people lose weight. And the reason is that we start with the yoga and we work our way back. Um, you always end up dieting on some level, you know, you have to change your diet, but we don't do that. Some clients who are really obese, uh, I won't touch their diet for eight months. So the yoga is like really, uh, important, you know, in terms of where they start. And I'm, you said it's more breath based. So I'm just going to assume this is more of like a gentle, like, you know, maybe some side bends or something, just some things to kind of move the body. Well, in every it depends direction. upon the person to be okay. fair, because, you know, some people are overweight and in amazing shape. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's about sinking the breath with the movement and that movement can look a lot. So it could be super gentle, you know, but it can also be like moderate. It's not, you know, intense, like hot power yoga or something, <laughs> but, but it can, you know, we, we move around. It's, it's really based on the person's body. Cause as long as you're having that experience of your body, you're good. But what most people do who are actually in shape is overdo it. And they're no longer feeling anything, you know, they're jumping back into chaturanga, but they're not feeling their body. They're just like performing this athletic kind of maneuver, right? It's different. Oh, I would love to take a little plot twist and ask, what would you do with somebody who is in that kind of state of their practice or their journey where it's almost become this obsession and this addiction where they're just going through the motions, but they're not the, the idea of yoga that encompasses all of it has just kind of left them. And they're like, it's just become like a, another workout for them. Right. So, I mean, the, the mindset is like, that's your workout. I don't care as your you know coach, right? Like you can work out all you want, but that's not going to help you lose weight. And that, see, that's the big shift. So if they've come to me and they want to lose weight, I'm not going to tell them they can't jump back and do chaturangas all day. I don't, you know, 
doesn't matter to me, <laughs> but that's not the experience they need to have to get their brain to change. And, and understanding that it's your brain is changing when you're looking in the mirror and being like, I don't like what my body looks like is very difficult, right? You're, you're seeing one thing and you're thinking about your body, but it's all brain changes that need to happen. My final kind of question regarding weight loss before I shift gears is, do you focus on this idea of weight loss or do you present it in a different manner? I'm just, I, I know that some people can kind of get, it's them so wrapped up in their head. Well, I got to lose weight. I got to lose weight. I got to lose weight. And it counteracts all this good that they're doing for their body because they're so focused that they've almost kept on the weight or they've plateaued. So do you make it a little bit more than, yes, we are going to lose weight, but like, we're also creating a really healthy lifestyle here. That's not just about weight loss. Yeah. I try to, I try to attach the pieces. So, um, I separate out, you want to be healthy and happy and you want your body to function well. And then you have your weight loss goals. And most people that I work with, it's like their goals are not where they end up when they come in. So they come in, they're like, I want to lose 50 pounds. I'm like, why do you want to lose 50 pounds? They're like, because that's what I weighed when I went to prom in high school. I'm like, well, how old are you? They're like 54 and I have four children. And I'm like, well, you know, okay. So, but, but what happens is I don't say no, you know, as talking to them, but, but as they go along and as they do the yoga, right, your brain starts to change and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm 20 pounds lighter. I look amazing. You know, I feel great. I'm healthy. I'm good. You know, and so that's that's kind of my goal for you to find your own good. And, um, you know, you always have the choice. Look, people who look people who are really low weight and it's not natural for them. I don't know how to like low body fat. Like that's a choice. That's that's like a daily choice you make in terms of your diet. Everyone knows that bodybuilders know that, you know, <laughs> professional dancers know that this is like. And the question you want to ask yourself is, is that a choice I, I want to make? Is it important to me and why? And if you can get through all of that and still want to do that, it's fine. But most people don't, most people don't land there, you know? Yeah. It becomes so much more than that. Yeah. I want to talk about we're, you know, at the time, even of this recording, we're still in this state of COVID where I don't really think it's going anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. And for a lot of people, this is heightened anxiety. It's heightened depression. Um, there's been in my experience and in my opinion, this kind of like people have either gained weight during this time or they've lost weight. There hasn't really seemed to be like a super middle or in between and mental health keep, keeps coming up a lot. As someone who is, you know, certified as a yoga therapist, how can we use yoga therapy as a form of dealing with mental health or anxiety, depression, and, and all of that stuff? Yeah, I would say that's the place where uh, yoga therapy as a field has made the most progress. And, uh, you know, the VA uses yoga therapists now. Um, trauma and mental health is like probably the number one reason people come to our school. So and it's it's looking at it from a slightly different angle. So instead of having like protocols for anxiety and depression, say we look at individuals. So um, you come, you're like, OK, I've gained 20 pounds. I'm depressed. It's covid. Although I have to say, working with people, I, I, I'm often like, yeah, it's COVID. Like, nobody's doing well. It's okay. But, and then we look at the individual. And again, we look at these imbalances. So we give specific practices for specific people. 
So we don't look at someone like as a disorder. We don't say, oh, you're, you're depressed, so here's what you do. Um, we look at somebody and say, you in particular depressed and you have these 80 other characteristics and here's the perfect yoga practice for you. And in conjunction with the person, we, we kind of tweak it until we find a practice that gets them where they want to be. So that's what we do for mental health at, on all levels. And it works great. I mean, I have to say, like, we've been doing this a long time. And, you know, I've seen people come off, you know, they've been on depression meds for 20 years, come off their meds. And I see people with anxiety disorders get functional again. And I see people with agoraphobia go outside. And, you know, it's amazing. And sometimes it's just a question of what to do and, like, how much. And you wouldn't know that without a yoga therapist. Because how you, I mean, you might figure it out. But, you know, how are you going to figure it out? You need somebody who's thought about it before. Yeah. You know? I would love to know what is it that you do with people to find these imbalances? Is it a verbal like Q and a session with them? Is it like, I'm going to get you yeah. to do a couple of poses and see where you're at or. Yeah. Well, you have a variety of things. So we work on a lot of levels. So we look for physical imbalances, but in terms of mental health, it's, it's mostly by talking to people and getting a feel for, you know, their lifestyle, what they're worried about, like how their, how their mind works what are these imbalances and how they like manifest? So like, how does your anxiety manifest? So are you somebody that gets super anxious and stops eating, curls up and, and hides in your bed? Or are you someone that's super anxious? So you run around town talking a mile a minute, uh, drinking 50 cups of coffee. And those people are going to need different yoga practices to help them find balance. If maybe that's a helpful example. No, that's you know. good. Perfect. What other aspects do you start to incorporate besides and I know we're using the term yoga as more like in the Western world, it seems to be like this physical movement. Like it's, it's yeah, yoga, awesome. like you're doing right. the stretch. Yeah. And I know, and I would say a lot of the community knows, maybe not all that yoga encompasses so much more, but like, what else are you doing with people that helps them kind of get their life back on track? Yeah. So, so as a yoga therapist, we're tasked, we have, we have different things we can work with. So I'll just give you the list and I think it'll answer your question perfectly. So we have like physical stuff like asana, we have breath work and energetic work. So a lot of that is pranayama or breath practices, but there are other practices too. We have uh, mental work, which in yoga is often chanting actually, but other possibilities are sort of cognitive things like philosophy and thinking about things and understanding things from a certain perspective, in this case, like a yoga perspective. And then we have uh, working more with like your unconscious mind. So that looks and with uh, sort of traumas and things that are kind of deep. So that looks like meditation. And then we have uh, this Ananda layer, which is like, can look like surrender. It can look like devotional practice. It can look like hanging out with people. It can look like, you know, staring at the beach and being super happy you're there. But so we have these like sort of how you're connected to yourself and other people. And then as an overarching theme, uh, yoga therapists are trained in looking at lifestyle as part of their scope. So we also look at how your lifestyle affects your ability to kind of do all the things I just talked about. So if your lifestyle affects like your ability to move around, that's going to be a problem. If your lifestyle like makes you more anxious, that's going to be a problem. If you know your choices like watching Netflix for five hours before you go to bed at, every night while you have an anxiety disorder and you're watching horror movies all night, a yoga therapist might be like, that's a bad idea, but here's like why according to yoga therapy, not just like shame on you, but more like this is what it's doing to your brain. 
So that's how we work. So we use a lot of different things. And we do use the movement, though. I mean, it's a, it's an important piece, mm-hmm. for sure. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong with this, but it sounds like, I love, I love what you're doing because it sounds like this almost blend of like going to like a yoga teacher training. Like you learn the philosophy side of things. You learn about the chakra system. You learn about pranayama or breathing techniques and the movement, but there's also so much science behind it. And this blend of like your relationships, your career, your health, your wellness, like kind of combining it all together. And I sometimes find that there are these hardcore yogis that will like, if you're not breathing, meditating and doing yoga all the time, like there's no connection between like having a job and paying your bills and kind of living in the quote unquote, like the real world. And on the flip side, there's also like, well, if you're so science-based, there's no like energetics behind it. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, I, there seems to be these two dualities that they can't blend together. And I love that your school blends it together and makes it very much science-based, but also energetic-based and philosophy-based and brings it all kind of together. Yeah, it's all, we use science where it's available. I mean, of course, it's not available for most of it, right? Like, there's not a lot of science on, like, our energetics or, like, our inner demons or, you know. Um, but there is science about the body, for instance. Like, I use exercise science, right? Because, like, you don't want to, you know, you're like, oh, rest days are important. You know, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so it's it's all based on yoga teachings. But But I think, you know, you put it perfectly because there's a lot of different yoga teachings. And you could say there's a lot of different yoga and tantra teachings. So um, we have a meditation school as well that I run. And so that's based on being a householder. So all this work is a householder is somebody who, like like you said, has a job and lives their regular life and isn't a monk, basically. So a lot of yoga in the U.S. actually came from traditions that were based on monks. So most people don't understand this. So the stuff that you're being fed is based on you living on an ashram say, and living in a very particular way. And there's no way you can do that. But there's other traditions, even in the meditation world, that are based on you having children and working and whatever. And so that's where, at least in my school, that's where we come from. Like we don't, we, I don't pull as much from the traditions that kind of do what you're saying. And there's a lot of that. And it's it's no one's fault. It's this crazy thing that happened in the West where you had these like great Indian teachers and they came over and people learned from them. That was really cool. And then it got kind of like muddled and you go like to a teacher training. Like I, I taught once at Shivananda and this could be anywhere, but in the Bahamas. So I was like, awesome Bahamas. I'll totally take that gig. Right. And so I go down there with my wife and um, I started integral yoga, which was uh, Swami Satchananda, which was Shivananda's disciple, basically. So it was familiar to me. I loved it. Great place. If you can visit, go there. You know, nice beach. All the monks walk down to the Starbucks because there's no coffee on the ashram at this big thing. You know, you see them in their robes. It's it's like hilarious and, and fantastic. And it's a nice place. But what I noticed, though, is that there were a lot of people in their 200-hour training. And, of course, they did what I did. They were like, 200-hour training in the Bahamas. I'm in. And they didn't really do their research. And so they're down there and they're living this like monkish lifestyle. They're like, don't drink coffee, you know, don't date, 
don't, you know, whatever. You're here for months, work all the time and practice all the time. And that's your deal. You're in this hardcore sadhana, which is great. I mean, I've done it. It was super good for me personally. But if you don't know that that's what you're doing, it's kind of a shock, right? It's like it was really hard on them. And I talked to some of them. Some of them loved it. And some of them were like, oh, I sort of feel like like I'm a failure. Like I'm never going to be able to do this. Well, I'm like, well, of course you're not. You're not a monk. Like you're when they tell you you should meditate at all times, like it's a big ask. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but you see you see this a lot. So it's, it's not true that that's the only way to do it. And the only thing I'm going to add, because I think it might be useful, is that there's a long tradition of Tantra teachers who would have like in India who would have like five or six students. They'd be married with kids. They'd be like a shoemaker or whatever. And some of them were like enlightened beings and that's the world they lived in though. So people would like, and they wouldn't have like this big thing with like 8 million people coming to see them because they didn't have time, right? They had four kids and <laughs> they had to make shoes. So they meditated a lot, I'm sure. But, but those traditions can be more useful, you know, because they, they teach you how to do this without, you know, doing it all day long in terms of like, formal practice you know yeah i have to say when i did both my 200 and 300 hour to be so a 500 hour yoga teacher training for me we did it over a period of six months and i thought at the time i was like oh my god six months to do a training but i will say i felt like it really helped me integrate what i was learning into the real world you know, like you get the phone call at work and somebody's screaming or yelling at you and you're like, okay, deep breaths. Like show you're taking me back. I know. That's exactly what, no, you, yeah. that's exactly what I did. I took a six month training mm -hmm. when I first started and I was uh, younger and I was like, that's forever. And I don't know if I want to be in this training this long, you know, it was like six months, mm -hmm. but it did. It allowed me to like really learn it, like kind of at a pace I could assimilate. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. It's very hard. You can't this whole like do your teacher training in a month thing that's going on. Like it's too many things too fast. It's like you're not going to our, our our teacher training that we have is is six months minimum um, yeah. for the 200 and same kind of thing. It kind of takes you along a little journey where you change it's not even that slowly it's just you know not three weeks yeah <laughs> so. well it's like and I have had friends who've done it and they're like oh it was great and I'm like see to me that would be like I would go on a week retreat and kind of combo it all together and do it that way but I love the idea of being able to implement it and even still like 500 hours I'm like I could go back and do another 200 and 300 hour training because you're right like you just there is so much to always take in. And I just feel like to kind of jam that into a month long, like you're just, unless you're that type of person who can retain everything that you've learned in the 200 hours in a month, I just feel like it's really great to be able to, especially in this world, to implement it throughout, you know, being stuck in traffic on the highway or being yelled at by somebody on the phone or being, a barista and having somebody not like their order. So they're pissed off at you. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think though, I mean, there's something to like having transformative experiences. So I think that's what people are usually looking for. They're like, I want to change my perspective. Right. So, you know, we go on retreats, we do a fast TT. There's a million ways to do that. Right. But, um, but 
you know, teacher trainings are artificial. I mean, they're, I mean, let's just be honest that these ideas of hours and everything are just like a Western weird modern concept. I mean, the way it used to be taught, the way I learned from my, my teacher at a school, but like I spent hours and hours, hundreds of hours, like hanging out with him and learning what he knew. And, you know, as someone who runs a school, I, I often try to get people like talk people off the, the hour ledge. I'm like, tell me what you want to learn. Tell me what you want to do, you know, and don't be so worried. I mean, we need to get our certifications just to show people that we learned something. <laughs> it's important. Um, but but more important is that you know what you're doing, right? Or for yourself that you have the skills now to like be a yogi, you know, if that's what you want to learn. Um, and then you, you're not going to do that like super quick. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a little time. I would love to know what you do in your day-to-day day life um, and, you know, you can even throw in like a month to month or even on a yearly concept. This is what I do to keep yourself in a healthier lifestyle. You said you've lost a lot of weight. You've been over able to overcome anxiety, depression. What is in your toolbox on a daily basis that kind of helps keep you going in this more positive, healthier lifestyle? Sure. Well, today I'll be carving a Halloween pumpkin with my eight-year-old daughter. So that's like in my wheelhouse. Um, but when I'm not doing stuff like that, my personal practice, uh, and this has evolved over 20 years. So if you're listening and you haven't been doing yoga 20 years, I just want to say that. So you don't have to do this at all. But at this point, I meditate every day and um, I live a very clean lifestyle in terms of like what I put in my body. So I don't drink. I mean, I will have a glass, I mean, maybe three drinks a year. You know what I mean? It's not, I'm not against it. I just, it's not my thing. I eat like really well. I mean, everyone has a different version of that, but really well for my own body. So I'm very sensitive to that, um, but not obsessed. So I kind of, you know, I'll move around there, but uh, it's important to me. Uh, my, my daily meditation practice is probably the most important thing. And then the, the other thing would be basically exercise, which for me is yoga exercise and other exercise. So I'm 50. So, you, you know, you can't you can't do it all with asana. You'll find out later. So there's some there's some weightlifting and other things I personally do. Um, and like the meditating and that together are really important. And then in terms of my brain, um, besides the meditation, you know, I have like a kind of chanting and philosophy based study that keeps my mind uh, active and focused on the prize, which is uh, hopefully becoming one with all things, although I'm not sure I've done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I want to get even more specific. Like what okay. does your meditation practice look like? Is it 20 minutes every day in the morning, evening? Is it five minutes? Is it guided yeah. meditation? Is it like, what, what is it? It is many things. And I'm going to say that um, because so I used to have a practice. So how I got here is I had a two and a half hour a day morning sadhana for years. But I have two kids and a business and all the things. So that is not happening. And so now it looks more like uh, sitting every day or twice a day. And that could be 20 or 40 minutes. I have periods where I go into much longer stretches of meditation. 
Uh, I'm a meditation teacher, you know. I mean, for me, it's part of my work day. So it's like for me to meditate an hour and a half isn't like totally crazy. It's not like I'm an accountant and I'm just checking out, you know. Um, so I want to put that out there. If you're not a meditation teacher, that might not be. But but my my sort of standard daily thing is that. And I do miss days uh, on purpose. So because I'm a person and again, you know, I'm getting up early and taking my son wherever and then going to a soccer game and it's just not happening. Um, but that's pretty much like I would say like a six day a week if you're going to average it out kind of situation. And then all the other things kind of are in between there. So I've integrated into my lifestyle. So I will, in addition to formal things, I guess is what you're kind of asking is I definitely like chant for 15 minutes in my car while waiting for something. I, uh, you know, I read in between things like I, I do my study. So I've gotten really good at being efficient in that way. And then the other part of my practice is because I've done it long enough now, you know, it's integrated into my my day to day. So it's not perfect, but I would say that, you know, coming back to my breath and um, finding presence in activity is something that I've cultivated. But that took a while that that was not something I could do in the first five years honestly well yeah you know no that's i and i want people to really keep that in mind is that like you were saying it's been a practice i think sometimes people are looking for the what is the exercise like do i take two hours of my morning and do right the meditation <laughs> the breath work that like and it's for some people maybe maybe you are somebody who works at eight o'clock and you can get up at six and do all of these things, but it's finding the things that work currently for you. And like you said, it's sometimes it's being in your car and doing some chanting or some breath. Work. Often it's being in your car because this is how we live, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you know, as a yoga therapist, so I teach people how to practice in general as like a spiritual teacher, but it's informed by yoga therapy. So, you know, we have clients who are doing DoorDash at night and have full-time jobs and three kids and they have a problem they're trying to solve, like maybe a mental health problem. And we have to work with that. You can't look at someone and say, well, quit your job and get foreclosed on, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, and our kind of superpower, if you're good at yoga therapy, right, is to figure out what's going to work with, for that person and to make sure that the and I often talk about it this way because I can't think of a better word, the dose they're doing of yoga is right for the problem they're trying to solve. So that's going to be very different for different people. Some people learn a little bit of pranayama and their anxiety drops 40%, right? Other people have two-hour morning practices and, you know, adorn the goddess with rose petals before they go to work. And that that helps their yoga. You know, I mean, people are different. And... You know, there's no every we all want this simple prescription. And of course, we have suggestions. And I know you do, too. You teach, you know, it's like we all have suggestions for people, but people are individual. And it's all about trying something in a way that allows you to see whether it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and not just like sort of blindly trusting. Right. Well, this person said if I uh, <laughs> chant this thing 14 times to myself that I won't be depressed anymore. I mean proofs in the pudding you know <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wish I had asked you maybe like a tip or trick for somebody that's struggling with mental health or just anything at all that you think could move the needle forward for someone hmm. well I'm gonna I'll make an offer how's that because we have some things to offer 
We have a course called Radically Balanced Yogi. If you go to breathingdeeply.com, it's free. And it's basically me explaining all this over a six-week period. So it's like a process you can go to to find out how you should practice. Um, and we just we kind of just put that up for free a couple months ago. But I'm I'm like so happy it's there because it's a little complicated. And it's like, how do I figure any of this out? So it's, it's just an offering from us. Um, so you're welcome to do that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, yoga therapy is available. Like there's lots of yoga therapists who want to help you. And so one thing I can have, you can definitely hire someone and you can definitely hire one of our students if you want to come to our website. But um, the other thing we have is a practicum where people work with people for free. So people can come to our practicum and we'll hook you up with a yoga therapist who will help you figure it out. And I know everyone's like, no, just tell me how to breathe through my less nostril. So like I don't have an autoimmune disease, but it doesn't actually work that way. And it doesn't have to be a ton of work, but you know, sometimes we need advice. And if you're having a, an issue that you can't solve, I think asking for help is a great idea. Um, as someone who used to never ask for help, I can say that. Uh, Isn't there this be. saying that like, <laughs> if you were going to do it, you would have already done so. And I think that's like this right. idea right. of like people like, well, just give me the answer or like, I'll just figure it out on myself by myself. And it's like, eh, you would have figured it out or done so already. Like sometimes it's just nice to have that mentor or I like, I've said this so many times on the podcast, but like, you know, the top athletes of the world all have coaches and mentors and people to kind of keep of course. Them in the best <laughs> physical and mental shape. And that goes yeah. for everybody. Like there's not one person who's king at the very or queen at the very top. Who's like, I don't, I don't need anything. I've got this thing on lockdown. You guys need to follow what I'm doing. My best students ever. I worked in New York city for years as a yoga therapist and by far my best clients and students were, and I worked with a lot of high level, high achieving people, and they taught me so much. Mm -hmm. Like these people, I mean, I was like a peon, like they're hanging out with Hillary Clinton, having drinks and whatever, you know, and who am I, right? They listened to every word I said. They took in everything I said. They were good listeners. They were happy to have help. They, and I was like, oh, that's how you became CEO of that huge company. You know, um, you know how to listen to people and learn stuff and they would learn what I had to teach them, you know, and, uh, they taught me so much cause I was like, oh, that's how you become successful. You know, yeah. you don't try to do it all yourself. <laughs> that's why you run the, you can't run a massive company by yourself, no. you know? Um, so yeah. So I saw that firsthand and I was also always amazed cause they'd always be really good at balance poses. Like every single CEO, you're like, do tree. They've never done yoga and they're there for like 20 minutes because their concentration, <laughs> right, is so, so good. good. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I never would have thought of that. That's so good though. <laughs> amazing. Really Before I send people to connect with you, maybe to follow along on your adventures or check out your school if they want to, we just have a five question bonus round. So it's just five super simple questions and just to get to know you in a different- I love uh, games. Okay. Yeah. I All right. Awesome. If you are ready, I'm ready and we'll hop right into it. Is this a speed thing? It used to be, but I took people <laughs> off on tangents. So it like didn't become that anymore. So it's just like a bonus round. Okay. Bonus round. I'm ready. <laughs> so question number one is what is a book, podcast, or resource that has brought you value and you want to share with the audience? Uh... 
I would go with, um, if you're a yoga person, I would read Makunda Styles uh, Yoga Sutras translation. It's really different than what you've read before. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that one out. Question number two for you is, who is your favorite person or influencer to look up to for inspiration? Work-wise? Could be any, I mean, people are like my kids. Like it could be anybody who just like inspires you on a daily basis. All right. I have to say without sounding sappy. So I work and live with my wife, who's also a yoga therapist and uh, being in relationship with her has definitely changed things for me. So I'm going to go with her. I love right that. Now. Perfect. Question number three is what are you grateful for today? Um. I'm mostly grateful for the health of myself and my family. I mean, it's sort of on all our minds, I think, with the pandemic. But as somebody who wakes up every morning and usually feels pretty good, I am very grateful for that. Yeah, health is wealth. And I think that's really underrated. Yeah. Question four is, I'm really curious about this one, is what is your spirit animal? <laughs> It's so funny because my uh, my eight year old daughter just told me I'm a deer. Um, I'm not sure what my spirit animal is, but I'm, maybe she's right. Maybe she's right. Okay, so plot twist, and again, this is why it's not the speed round anymore. That is so fitting because yesterday morning, I am not kidding you, there was a front uh, deer on our front lawn just staring at us, and I was like, we're literally in like a subdivision, and it was just like. It was massive too. So I feel like she might be right about that. I had a bear. I had a deer in my backyard and a bear in my driveway. Awesome. <laughs> so maybe those are my, maybe uh, both. I don't Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> my final question for you is what is your favorite form of self-care to practice? I'm going to stick with yoga nidra. Mm -hmm. It's still my favorite uh favorite thing it, at this point it's like my um it's like my candy mm -hmm. you know my meditational candy uh, it's definitely my go-to yeah for sure I love a good yoga nidra practice mm -hmm. brant this has been such a fun conversation if people want to check you out maybe they want to work with you or just see what you're up to where can everybody go and find you yeah they can go to breathingdeeply.com and um you know, navigate away if you're looking for uh, if you're looking for me, you can just send us an email. I don't self promote a lot on that site. But uh, if you're looking for any of those practicums or free courses, or any of that, it's all there. So it's at breathingdeeply.com. And I hope some of your listeners take advantage. We're happy to help. Yeah, perfect. I will make sure everything is linked in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It was so fun. It was really nice to meet you. Thanks, Megan. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you give it a five-star rating and review. It takes two moments of your time and truly does make a difference in growing this community and showing support for the show. Make sure to stop by and say hi on social media, take a screenshot of this episode, tag our guest, tag me, and hashtag the show, hashtag BYL podcast, share it out on your Instagram stories so that we can share it out on ours and I will make sure to slide into your DMs to say hello. Until next Monday, everyone, I can't wait to see you then. Namaste.